Hello, welcome once again to a Westworld podcast, Bullets, Brothels, and Bots. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how are you, sir? I am well. Excellent. And in the state of New York? This is Mike. Mike, how's it going, sir? I'm fine, Philip. How are you? I'm doing well also. Uh, let's see. So this will be our third episode of this newly formed podcast. But uh, before we go into uh, details and such, uh, there's a couple of house cleaning things. And one of them is, uh, Eric, besides this podcast, you do three other podcasts. Uh, yes, I do. Uh, one of them is the one I record, edit, and produce myself called the Scancity Podcast. That's A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. It's a general interest podcast. You can find it on Stitcher and in the iTunes store. Um, the other two are related to this one. One is the uh, mother pod- podcast, if you will, Dark Discussions, uh, which we've been doing for about five years now uh, about uh, horror fiction. Horror, damn it, Phil. Do the do the tagline for me. Uh, discussion of horror, film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. It's about that. Uh, <laughs> the other one uh, is a spinoff of that podcast that we do uh, when this show is not on the air called you Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a podcast about Game of Thrones. Uh, the Jon Snow and the Dark Discussions, you can find those along with this Westworld podcast on www.darkdiscussions.com. And on Dark Discussions podcast Facebook group is also where the Westworld podcast is under as well. And Mike, are you actually do a genre blog as well as two other podcasts? Well, one of those podcasts is the aforementioned Dark Discussions dot com, uh, Dark Discussions podcast, and the aforementioned You Know Nothing Jon Snow podcast. Uh, otherwise, my uh, occasionally updated blog is uh, Unnatural Selections www dot unnaturalselections dot com. And uh, what's that blog do? You talk about uh, genre stuff and such? Well, just whatever miscellaneous genre stuff that happens to cross my mind while I have time to sit down and write it. Very good, very good. Any uh, news or? generic Westworld stuff uh, that anybody wanted to mention? Nope. Nope, haven't heard a thing. Yeah, I haven't either. Uh, so a couple of things anyway. Uh, uh, the first episode, the original, had 1.96 U.S. viewers based off of uh, Wikipedia. Um, and this, and that was called the original. And this one here, Chestnut, is what it's called. Uh Written by Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy Nolan. And this one was directed by someone named Richard J. Lewis. And, of course, uh, the Westworld uh, story is uh, based off of the original story by Michael Crichton. And uh, this one does not have a viewership, uh, a U.S. viewers yet. But, again, this one is a little odd because it was released early. They jumped the gun and uh, it wasn't really... Um, promoted that much, uh, but well, it wasn't really jumping gun so much as uh, trying to offer convenience. Uh, as the episode was originally scheduled to air at the same time as the second uh, U.S. presidential debate, uh, so I guess they didn't want to compete with that shit show, so they released it on the streaming app a little bit early. Yeah, I think they did uh, Wednesday or Thursday or something like that is when they released it, and. Um, Folks would be able to watch it at their convenience, as you said, Eric, rather than um, forget about it and maybe check the be one of the 56 million viewers of, of the last presidential debate. 
uh, since that is um, pretty big, at least here in the States for folks in Australia or Canada or Mexico or wherever you are. Um, it's it's political time here in the U.S. Of <laughs> I've actually heard tell that our uh, that our election cycle is providing great entertainment for our friends up north in Canada. True. There, there, there's a number of uh, Canadian folk who listen to this podcast as well as our other podcasts, and uh, they happen to be very very uh, vocal in their discussions. And when I say vocal, I don't mean argumentative. I mean vocal as in uh, uh, participating. They, they participate a lot in discussions on the Dark Discussions podcast Facebook group where uh, we talk all things genre, including uh, Westworld. Um, we, we do have a a uh, email uh, related to Westworld, I believe. So uh, let me let me read that out if you guys are interested. Yes, uh, very. Okay, it's uh, it's titled. Uh, I just, I haven't read it yet. Um, it's but it came in today at noon during the lunch hour, um, Eastern Standard Time, and it's titled "Bullets, Brothels, and Bots: Westworld Episode 2. and it's from someone named uh, Sean Fox. John Fox, uh, some folks may never know. heard of him. I, I think he's one of our Canadian non-friends. That's true, exactly. From uh, uh, the Facebook group, as well as a listener of our Dark Discussions podcast, and you know nothing, John Snow podcast. Uh, since the John Snow podcast, he hasn't been uh, on Facebook as much, uh, but uh, he's uh, he's definitely uh, one of our um, avid listeners, or at least uh, until we we say something that pisses him off, and he'll never talk to us again. But <laughs> Here we go. He goes, hey, guys, and Christy, if she is around or listening, uh, basically uh, Christy and Abe are two other uh, co-hosts of our Dr. Scratchers podcast that um, he's referring to. I hope you are enjoying or have enjoyed your Columbus Day holiday, depending when you read this, which today is actually Columbus Day. As a member of your northern core, we are here in Canada and are partaking in our Thanksgiving festivities Thanks to Phil for his mention of this on Facebook. Yes, I, I wish our Canadian listeners a very happy Canadian Thanksgiving. Um, it was tough to do it, though. I was like, Canada. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I just had well, to... I, I'm sure as they watch the, uh, our, our presidential election with glee, they have much to be thankful for. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Trudeau, he's not too good either, but that's beside the point. But he's not what we have. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, we have a, a crook and a crazy stuff. So what are you going to do? All right, so here we go. I just had the chance to finish episode two of Westworld. I must say, I wasn't quite sure what to expect, but after listening to your first episode of Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, filling in the history of the two movies, it helped me fit the ground, hit the ground running, so to speak, watching the first couple of episodes of the show. As an aside, thank you for fleshing out the movies as it was a great podcast and had me dreamily imagining what Roman world or medieval world would be like for a history nerd like myself. But even bigger, the question of how would I conduct myself in such a world? Would my moral compass stay true or would I succumb to what seems to be depravity and remorseless destruction for destruction's sake? I must say the first two episodes of Westworld, for myself at least, have really made me question just why what lies hidden beneath the surface of of all of us, are we truly as well-intentioned, willing to do what is right, even if it is the harder path? The How answer is hell no. <laughs> uh, our, our, uh, excluding uh, um, the company on this podcast, I'm sure. But yes, a majority. Uh, uh-huh. 
people. But uh, anyway, are we truly as well intentioned, willing to do? Okay, I read that. How much do we hide our darker selves from not only others but ourselves? A lot. And what are the implications of not only recognizing your darkness, but embracing it as it seems so many of the guests to Westworld do? My hate keeps me warm. <laughs> yes. How do they return to the real world without carrying the taint of their dark deeds, dark passions, and dark ways with them? You said are taint. We, taint. Are we also able to decipher the true line between a perceived reality or reality we create? How is it some of us can be civil and be respectful of others while others have no qualms about the harm the darkness, or the pain they spread for whatever their own reasons or justifications allowed them to take in. I'll answer that. Sociopathology and mental illness. <laughs> I, I hope the show would be a great show along the lines of Game of Thrones and shows like Breaking Bad, where the narrative is not a squeaky clean world, but one a little closer to ours amped up a few times. I guess I should have seen like any good piece of science fiction, that the questions of morality and what it is to be human would be part and parcel of the telling or at least hopefully inspire some of us to think deeper and harder on just what keeps or makes us civilized. I can see people arguing a place like Westworld would be a great way to, to sate all your deepest, darkest emotions, thoughts and actions free of conscience, as anything you do is only to a robot or an inanimate and soulless being. For me, though, it brings the bigger question of if you give into those dark impulses, can you ever truly come back or does a piece of you, your conscience and your being, or however you wish to frame it, die for further, the further you proceed? Whether it is a fictionalized theme park or in the real world, I think the fact it has me thinking this deeply and truly vexed is a great compliment to the material. Yes, I may be overthinking or even or overfeeling this, but it is a credit to the story and to the greater idea, or at least what you take of it from your perspective. And I'll answer that by saying that Michael Crichton is a genius. <laughs> I want to thank you guys for adding another podcast to the Dark Discussion Arsenal and for the extra time, work, and efforts you put into the show. Thank you for providing another venue for discussion, and thank you for just being one of the best podcasts out there of any genre. P.S., Sorry again, Phil, about having to point out there, in fact, was a Canadian in the first episode. But Michael <laughs> Wincott is a pretty damn good character actor and deserves a shout-out. I have always enjoyed his work, usually as the bad guy, with a style and flair few provide in their different roles during their careers. I recently watched a Western with him, Kiefer and Donald Sutherland. Michael Wincott played another of his interesting characters in to later recognize him in the first episode of Westworld, for me at least, was a very pleasant surprise. Sean from St. Alberta, St. Albert, Alberta, Canada. So. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think you're, you're overthinking it. I think you're thinking about it exactly the way the material is uh, meant to get you thinking. Uh, and that's that's one of the reasons uh, I, I'm, I'm glad it, it turns out to be a quality show so far, uh, because I, I love this type of discussion and thinking. Um, so I'm enjoying it. And, Eric, and I think I think a lot of that is what he brought up is going to be very relevant to tonight's episode. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. But but 
as we discussed in prior episodes, the prior two episodes of this podcast, uh, we discussed uh, something like this versus, say, a video game mm-hmm. and and the implications of a video game. So it's it, it's a curious. So is it different when it is very different? Okay, All right. I'll tell you why. Okay, go ahead. Uh, yes. Because when you are playing a video game, uh, at least so far, they're they're working on the VR thing, but they're not quite there yet. Uh, when you're playing a video game, you are holding a controller. Uh, you're partaking of actions that you wouldn't do in the normal world if you wanted to partake in the uh, darkness, for lack of a better word, uh, killing people or committing crimes or whatnot. Um, whereas if you were in Westworld, you're actually holding a gun, shooting people. You're actually holding a knife, stabbing people. And that would be more, much more likely to acclimate you to those deeds um, rather than just holding a gaming controller. But aren't you really just stabbing and shooting robots? It doesn't matter. Fair enough. I, I probably do agree with that. I just wanted to be the devil's advocate. <laughs> well, but, but let's also stop, and, and I know you said for now, um, but the whole uh, thing for video games for the last uh, several years has been to try to get it to be more and more and more immersive. Right. Yeah. And so you get back to, uh, I know that it died down, but you had the motion controls with the Wii that everybody tried to copy for about 15 minutes because right. the idea of, you know, you could, you can't just push a button, but you can actually slash your sword. Mm-hmm. And thankfully gamers are lazy. So they quickly <laughs> went, oh, this is too much, too much work. Right. Um, but now, you know, that we're seeing all the, the stuff for VR. Right. And. VR meaning virtual reality for folks who don't know what that means. Right. So, and we'll see where that ends up taking us. Um, and I just want to point out that uh, I think it was just posted a few minutes ago, um, about three hours ago, uh, from the Wall Street Journal, an article titled, Your Next Friend Could Be a Robot. <laughs> and it does, and it talks about uh, like how there's people that get things like, uh, I, I've mentioned before, I have the Amazon Echo, and that they like to have relationships with Alexa, you know. Oh. That's well. Forget the shape of Alexa for a second, but um, <laughs> like they're talking it, Alexa, to it like it's a, it. they talk to it like it's a friend. And I know what I'm. I just out of habit, if I ask, you know, ask for the time, I'll you know, and she'll, Alexa will tell me the time, and I end up saying thank you, even though it's just a stupid stick sitting on my desk, <laughs> just from conditioning. Right. Well, one day it'll be like Cortana from Halo. So, right, so, little, so you're getting all blue, the little hot blue girl on on your your screen or something, on on your hand or whatever it is. Right, so you get all this this sort of stuff, and yeah, I mean, when does reality become real? When does it stop being real? And if you can't tell the difference, does it matter? Well, and that's a question that's asked at the beginning of this episode that we're about to discuss. Correct. Yes, that is true. And uh, one of the characters in in this episode is someone that we would call um, questioning pretty much what everything uh, Sean mentioned about what's right and what's wrong and, and what's real and what's not and so forth. Uh, a couple of things about Richard J. Lewis, uh, the director of this episode. Um, he has done a lot of TV and he's uh, uh, Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, and Richard Lewis, I don't know if he has any more episodes to come. Uh, so far, what's announced? No. 
but there is episode seven and eight, which uh, they have not announced the directors or the writers. So uh, there could be some surprises or it could be they just don't know yet. Um, all right. So uh, this is called Chestnut. Anybody it understand? Is. Anybody know what chestnut means? Oh, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> all, right, all right, let's throw out the oh, spoiler I, I, alert. Let's throw out the spoiler. I, 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 well, hold on. I did want I did want to give a shout out to Tyler Bolivar of the uh, Ricochet uh, website, who started listening to us I think last week and gave us a positive review. Gave me a positive review um, online. So just we do you? have other. He hates me. Well, just me. <laughs> well, he gave it to me, and I, I, oh, I relate it to you. Oh, oh, I thought he listened so, to Vegas and said I, that Mike guy is awesome, but the other guys suck. <laughs> well. You don't, and what, like what's he, what's you he talking to you and not going to iTunes and writing a review or something? Well, because I happen to know him through another website. So he just happened to said happened to uh, actually while we were watching, uh, we were chatting during the vice presidential debate, and he said uh, uh, vice president. Yeah, and and he chatted and said uh, I'm listening to your podcast instead of watching the debate, which was probably the smarter thing to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a fair point. Oh, anytime you listen to us, it's a smarter thing to do. No doubt. Yes. Yeah. Right, and if you do want to interact with us, you can always go to our Facebook page and chat with us there. That's right. Yep, we're always there. We're always online there. Yep. And if and, you want and, to help us out, go to iTunes and leave us a review. We need more. Absolutely. And by the way, I'm, uh, I was toying around last night uh, ideas for maybe doing a uh, promotional T-shirt for the for the podcast. Uh, so if you go there, there's a picture of the design. If you're interested, let us know. Maybe we'll uh, try to get some orders out. Yep, exactly, exactly. So uh, folks can even actually take a peek at, at that design you made uh, on the Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group. Because once again, Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast, is all under the Dark Discussions Podcast umbrella. So uh, just search for Dark Discussions Podcast on Facebook, and you, we can add you to the group where uh, lively discussions of various uh, genre and Westwood um threads are, are going on right now indeed we got about a little over 600 members in the group at this point don't we phil that's true yeah yeah exactly yeah. So come join the fun that's right all right now um chestnuts chestnuts that's what we we're discussing right chestnuts spoiler what's, what's... alert for episode two of the hbo westworld series season one Yes, right. That's right. Um, yeah i have no idea either Eric. I don't, i'm not sure what chestnut is, stands for um, I guess I could have rewatched the episode to see if they had a reference. Uh, I did rewatch it, and I still don't know. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm sure a chestnut must have something to do with uh, a surprise or or something. It, I mean, I, I'm not sure because I I didn't do a research to see what um, chestnuts symbolize in in the real world. But, well, doesn't uh, uh, chestnut also refer to like a story or a I mean, besides the color brown. I was also going to say it's a shade of brown, too, so who knows. Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. I, I use the word often because one of my daughters, her hair is turning um, to chestnut color, actually. So, um, But, yeah, I, uh, I chestnut, don't know. British slang for an older, stale joke. Um, mm. Ooh, or chestnut in music, piece of music in symphonic or other repertoire that has been played so much that many people are tired of it. Huh. Hmm. And I think that might that might be it, maybe, maybe. because they are talking about adding new things. Story you have lines, yep. Yep. Uh, about replacing um, what's her name the the one at the one machine who's no longer oh, able to seduce uh, her. 
Sandy Newton's character, yeah. Andy Newton, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and speaking of music, uh, this, this week's episode on the player piano, uh, in the brothel slash saloon is a radio head song I read. Uh, <laughs> yeah, West- I, I was paying attention this time, but couldn't make it out. Yeah, I saw it on Twitter. Uh, Westworld, uh, HBO Westworld themselves, I think, tw- Twittered it out, uh, saying that it was Radiohead, a song from them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, it's it's obviously a vague vague uh, title for uh, the episode, um, and uh, like last week, it was a little more obvious that after seeing that episode, the original obviously meant um, the first host, which was uh, Dolores Abernathy. Um, but uh, the chestnut here is, is a little more, I guess, uh, vague, a little more uh, symbolic somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you said, Mike, seems pretty legit at least um but anyway uh let's uh discuss this i mean mike i remember last week you said uh, it looked like they were going to do take a different turn this way uh in this episode uh based off of uh the previews because last week's episode the original was mostly through the perspective of uh the robots and it seems that the the people that run the company um or at least run run the daily operations uh, they're going to be in pretty much every episode, but when they come to uh, before they come to finally probably merging different storylines together, it looks like they're going to switch back and forth. Maybe like last week we discussed, as I just mentioned, was all robots' point of view. This week, it seems to be guests' point of view. Uh, I, I, it's it's not clear cut as that. It's back and forth. Um, we, but we, we get more of. We get more guests this episode right. for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, that's a good point because yeah, the Sandy Newton storyline is pretty strong in this, and and that's I guess the perspective of a robot. Uh, but yeah, we get new guests. We get uh, Logan and uh, I think it's William. William. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and uh, Logan appears to be a regular, or at least been there one time before, and he's uh, uh, what we would call. Uh, one of the folks that like to as black as, hat uh, it, yeah, exactly black hat it. And then um, William seems to be the naive person that uh, just wants to act like a normal person that he would act like in the real world, but just be in a, uh, a Western um, setting, I guess. Um, right, and I think for me that was probably the most interesting aspect of the show this week because it was a little bit fresh, but it's also Obviously, hearkening back to uh, the, uh, the James Brolin, uh, to the James Brolin and uh, Richard Benjamin characters from the original Westworld film, right? Where you have the one guy who is a veteran bringing his buddy along and trying to introduce him to the pleasures and delights of uh, of Westworld. Well, and also when they uh, when they arrive in the train at the beginning. Uh, did either of you notice that when they get off the train, that whole lobby area is almost a replica of what was in Future World? Oh, yeah, actually, you're right because of the the escalator that's going right. up. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, Eric. Yeah, I thought that was a nice little nod. Yeah, I I, I do see that now when you bring it up. Yeah. Um. Now, for someone that doesn't, well, well, actually, there's a couple things. One. 
uh, one of the questions I had, or I mentioned in one of the two prior episodes, was they just throw you in without any guidebook, and they answer that question here because the woman greeter or robot woman greeter of William it specifically states that when he asks that question, he goes, "Is there a a uh, guide or a, or a orientation? Class? Yeah, orientation." Yeah. And she goes, no, you just, we just, you just go in. And then the other thing I noticed or thought was interesting was depending on your perspective, you would either feel a little grossed out or a little psyched depending on your perspective because basically this robot woman and you don't know it's really a, a, a robot or a woman and it's still vague even though, uh, if I had to choose, I would say she's probably a robot. Um, offers um, sexual favors and all these other things that just were... Well, I, I would go say so far as she offers, she implies. I, I'll go so far as to say she pushes. Yeah. Um, I, I think, and this is what I thought was interesting, or one of the things I found interesting, is that this, this wasn't a case of, or I didn't see it as a case of, let the, uh, the guest just kind of go their own way there seem to be deliberate attempts by the by the various hosts to push the characters and the actors or the the guests uh, rather in a certain direction um the, the temptation is constant that's true and you know so it's one thing to say have the brothel there uh-huh and say if you're interested in having sex go to the brothel it's another thing to have basically this woman pawing at you and trying to seduce you the moment you walk into the lobby. Well, but maybe that's how they did it in the old west. Uh, he hadn't but, gone to the old west yet. Yeah, we're still in. <laughs> we're still in the. You know the. the oh, you're world. still talking about the blonde chick. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So because what it is is that this blonde chick who's the greeter. Uh, it appears everybody gets a greeter depending on what you your sexual orientation is, I guess. Um, and she's a very attractive blonde woman dressed um, uh, in, I guess, um, clubbing clothes. So, so what you would see in a big city at a bar at night, you know, that type of stuff. And she brings him up to choose his outfits and guns and all these other things. And then she offers basically to help change him. And as you said, Mike, push herself upon him to do whatever. And the thing, the thing that I think shocks him, this, this guest, William is not necessarily that a pretty woman he could have sex with, but that you could tell he was looking at that as exploitation rather than as an opportunity because he still isn't a hundred percent sure if she's a robot. And she says, does it really matter when he asked that question? And two, he's the type of guy that I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Fine. He would like to have sex with, you know, a pretty woman, but you could tell, at least I felt he was thinking at it as it's almost like using and exploiting a person or a robot, depending on if what she really is. And it didn't, that doesn't necessarily appeal to him. Right. Well, as she says, uh, if you can't tell, does it matter? Right. And that that's her exact line. And, you know, and she's right. I mean, she's not I, I'm, I'm kind of overstating when I say she's throwing herself at him. But there's 
she's clearly leading him on. Right? If you if this was a woman in a bar, you you would be going, Oh yeah, I'm going home getting lucky tonight. You know, it's um Well, if right. that's what you're looking for though. And I don't think she was pushing herself on him so much as indicating that, hey, if you want to make a move, that's cool. Well, or not make a move, but if you want to have sex, that's cool. In other words, she she may have not pushed as as far as, say, Mike says, but she basically was saying that that it was here if you wanted it, and I have no problems with it. But she totally did, she said either way was fine. When she when she says she'll help us, she goes, uh, "I'll help undress you, or I can go in the next room if you'd prefer." Right. Yeah. Which is basically saying that I'll you know whatever, do whatever you, oh I'll whatever you want. Whether it's yeah, I'll wait until you know you change like a normal dressing room, or we can other stuff. Know, yeah. And I guess you know I mean whether she was human or not, this is her job to offer this option. In other words, it's, it's an option. One of the options is is you can have sex with her, um, and I think that again I, I'm saying exploited. You know, some people it won't matter because it's a you know you made a a purchase, you paid money, and a person is willing to do whatever, and or you pay a company and the person is willing to do whatever. But I think this guy wasn't looking at it that way because that's not why he was there. He wasn't there to just have sex as as we're talking here. So I think he was looking at it as exploitation and it it made him uncomfortable if if not um um i don't know turned off maybe because she is a, an attractive woman right i mean everybody would agree mm-hmm. with that yeah. right well i think there was um and by the way i want to point out the uh, actor who plays william uh is jimmy simpson I who totally plays recognize him from other stuff i've seen yeah, him he... everywhere but i don't know i don't yeah know he was exactly in... where. I know him best as playing uh, Liam McPoyle on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, uh, which they always make the, the McPoyle brothers are sort of the uh, the antagonists that pop up once or twice a season. Um, he had been in Abraham Lincoln uh, Vampire Slayer. He had been in That's two, probably where I know him from. He had been in uh, Psych. Uh, I don't know how many episodes. Um Oh, he was in House of Cards. House of Cards. He was in 17 episodes of House of Cards, a couple of episodes of Person of Interest. Uh, and he was one of the – he was like the lead villain in the not terribly good horror comedy Gravy that came out last year. I don't even remember um, him from I didn't, House of I didn't Cards. I catch that. No. So he was the – I think he's the computer guy that – didn't he have like a gerbil or something? Oh, or? yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who he is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so he's – he comes – and what – he comes across because he says he's married or not married. He's engaged or has somebody waiting he for him has at home. Someone, yes. Yeah, we, we, right. are, we don't know what that means, but he has. So he has he's in a relationship, so he, he feels that this would be cheating, I guess, right? Yeah, maybe it's his grandma. We don't know, but um, yeah. So he says that, but Later I did think it was a hooker. It was funny. I read a review from the website uh, Den of Geek. Uh, and it was implying that he's being disingenuous, that he's, he really wants to give into these things. Of course but he's, he's not. But you know, I don't, I didn't quite get that. I didn't get that. Say, I mean, yeah, he's tempted, but it didn't seem like he's faking his, his sincerity. I mean, he's, he does have an attraction to, uh, to Dolores. Or is it Doris? I forget. Uh, D- Dolores. 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 You're right. But it's because she's not, you know, she's not the, the whore in the brothel. She's the nice girl next door. Right. Um, he, he doesn't, you know, when he does spend the night with the hooker because his friend kind of forces him to, is the impression I got, he doesn't do anything with her. 
Um, and probably for good reason, could he could have gotten a MRSA infection. But uh, you know, it's it's you know he doesn't get into the fight with the gunslinger in the uh, when he gets off. Right, the one the guy whose job it is is to walk into the the guests coming off the train. Right, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and all sorts of little things, and that imply that there seems to be someone decent. Now the question is, how long will his decency hold up? Well, you know, so, it, so far so good. Well, so far so good, but he's got eight more episodes to go. Well, all right, <laughs> well, let me interject here. Let me interject here. I think he is being genuine, and he and when he does look at her sexually, or when he does, you know. To, or, or consider possibly pulling his gun out. I, I think it's just a reaction of knowing, first of all, that it's a park, and two, that it's a reaction of just being human, which is, ooh, she's really pretty. I wouldn't mind, you know. Right. But, but that 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 doesn't necessarily mean he's going to succumb and become uh, corrupted, like his quote unquote his friend, depending on your perspective, because you could even argue that his friend's not corruptive; he's just playing a game. Well. Uh, and there's but, also the question of if we get to the point later, as everything is hinting to, uh, where things are going to go berserk, <laughs> and we're going to have a full full on robot rebellion on our hands, uh, is he going to be able to do what's needed to survive? Well, I, I think this is where where I have a dis- different perspective from you guys, maybe because this is what I thought when I was introduced to this character, and by the end of the show. Uh, I was thinking that this is going to be obviously similar to like another planet of the apes or something. Instead of apes, it's going to be robots. And I think his character, unlike in the planet of the apes, because the humans just die off because of a disease. In this show, I think there's going to be some humans who are going to support the robots. And I think he is going to somehow, this is just a guess, that he's going to have a relationship with Dolores and then he's going to be on the robot side. So, Maybe. So depending on what your perspective is, good or bad, are robots good or bad? And if they rebel, are they good or bad? Either way, he, that's the side I think he's going to fall on, where he's going to, whether it's because he loves the robot Dolores or whether he is someone uh, that may think that they are uh, entities or, or, or beings now because they're sentient rather than just mechanical um, and intelligent sentient too. So they're not just for food source. So I, you know, I mean, yeah, you can say something. Well, if they're, if they're rebelling in a violent way, uh, I'm kind of going, fuck them. Uh, yeah, of course. I, I, so, but, you know, so we'll see how that ends up going. But I think we also, for those of us who watched uh, Ex Machina, uh, know that the folly of, uh, or the dangers of being uh, in love with a, a sentient machine. Also, Mike, too. Um, absolutely. But also, Mike, too, there, there could be similar to the Planet of the Apes where there's going to be camps. So some robots yeah. will want to kill all the humans for what they did, and other robots will be, no, we can't, you know, you can't judge an entire group of people because of a handful of assholes. Sure you can. We do it all the time. <laughs> I'm just I mean, we do it in Westworld. He's wearing a black hat. Must be a bad guy, right? So, um, so yeah, there could be there could be numerous weird ways they go. Uh, now, what did you guys think of this William character, Mike? You said that you read Den of Geek and, and stuff, but do you do you believe 
that he is going to be one of the people that are going to be corrupted and become evil. I'm, I'm I think that the app, it depends on the point of view of the showrunner, I think. Um, which is Jonathan Nolan. Which is Jonathan Nolan. Um, but I'm just thinking like I, uh, was just watching, uh, rewatching, uh, the last season of The Walking Dead and listening to a commentary track with Greg Nicotero, who is the makeup uh, guy and also has directed some episodes. And he has a fundamental belief that people are good, but the show creator has the fundamental belief that people are not that good. And so, and that tension kind of comes through, obviously, in the choice that the characters make in that series. And so my question is, is what is the point of view of Jonathan, Jonathan Nolan, Nolan uh, and J.J. Abrams and everyone else who's involved in this? Because I think that will be a big indicator for what happens with uh, with William. Is he someone who gives in to the temptations and, and becomes a black hat, as his friend has, right? And... Uh, Again, we saw that last week with the one guy on the train saying that the first time he came with his family and he was a white hat and he, then he came back and just he's been black hat ever since. So, you know, will he, it, is this te- given, is this tendency to give in to the negative? Is it, um, human nature? Is it human nature? Is that where, are we all destined to go that way or are some of us able to rise above it? Uh, and there's that old saying that, uh, character is what you do when no one's watching. Yeah. Right. And that's a, that's a similar idea here, which is, I mean, obviously in Westworld, they're being watched constantly, but it's what do you do if, you know, if there's no real consequence, right? Or if there's no one to, to judge you for what you're doing, right? And that's what this place is. It's a license to be whoever you want. You know, again, Westworld, there are no safe words. You can do whatever you want. Well, people are encouraging you to do whatever you want and encouraging you to give in to, your less savory uh, uh, temptations or impulses. Yes, right, and, and that, that that's the argument of all movies and and, and game, video games and whatnot is if everybody doesn't give in to their temptations or the the man against world stuff that you see in, in like a, a novel, then your story is basically us which is we go to work we sit in front of a computer or we stand in front of a classroom then we go home and then we have dinner and then we talk to the wife watch the tv and then we go to sleep and then we do it all over again and that isn't going to sell movies video games <laughs> or books now so I'm impressed. yeah so <laughs> because of, our lives are all boring now I kind of uh, want to shoot myself. They, they want you to come to Westworld <laughs> so your life's aren't boring and you can do all these things and it ha- means well, no consequence. And therefore, it is interesting and it is a draw versus that scenario I just made up if, if it were a movie. Because they're not <laughs> well, going to have a sub- suburbia world. Right. Yeah, and there's a, great line at the, there's a great line at the end of this episode delivered by Anthony Hopkins uh, where is... Uh, the the whole episode, uh, the character, um, the fuck is his name, Lee, uh, the story writer, uh, he's been working on this grand new storyline, um, and he's gonna require fifty new hosts, uh, so he's got to clear out some of the old hosts and have them reprogrammed and blah 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 blah, and he's demanding all these resources, uh, and apparently when they go to launch a new storyline, the whole staff goes there. 
and whoever wrote the styroline meets their pitch. Uh, and I guess that Anthony Hopkins character, uh, has, is a, is a veto. has veto power. Um, so, but apparently he hasn't even weighed in uh, with an opinion on a storyline in years. Um, so they all gather for this new, new storyline. He's talking about, he's, he's got all vivisection and self cannibalism. Um, and, and of course, uh, the storyline offers every guest the chance to offer the character they want to know the most themselves. Um, and Anthony Hopkins vetoes the storyline and the guy's shocked, uh, and wounded and he, and he's, he's like, why? Uh, and Anthony Hopkins tells him, and he goes, look, um, you're wrong. The, the, the guests don't come here because they want to know themselves. They, they already know themselves. What they want to know is who they could be. Uh, and, and this story doesn't help them say anything about them. Really, this story tells me more about you. Um, and, uh, that's not what guests come back for. Guests comes back for, uh, the subtle things, the, the, the things they think they discovered that nobody else noticed before. Uh, not the grand spectacle that you're trying to roll out here. Uh, and he kiboshes the storyline. Which, by the way, was such a grossly inefficient use of resources. They really could have killed that <laughs> off before they spent millions of dollars building the robots for this scenario. Right, right. And, uh, however, I will point out that I kind of liked the fact that it got that far, uh, because this, this episode pointed out in no uncertain terms, um, that, that there's a huge lack of communication at this corporation, uh, and it's going to lead to some bad shit happening. Cause there are no. two people, two yeah. people in particular are, um, keeping things under their hat that they shouldn't be, and it's going to lead to bad stuff happening. Maybe. Um, and, and, uh, that's a fair point, Eric, because, yeah, I mean, obviously this guy, uh, whether he's a, he's a bad character, a bad guy or a good guy, uh, at this point, he just seems like a naive, um, but the story writer, yeah, yeah he's an Hodgman. ass, as, he's an egotistical ass is what he is. Right. He's right. a writer. Right. Yeah. And so <laughs> he, he writes all this storyline for not. And, and yeah, if, if they were communicating correctly, he would, they would have had a pitch, right? They, they would have read the pitch and said, okay, that's a good storyline. Start working on it. Um, and then next, uh, and the next week, give me an update, you know, on and on. They, they wouldn't just have, this guy had too much power where he just went off, did what he did. He comes back and they nix it. And mm-hmm. when they didn't have a audit check in there or, or anything before or quality assurance, they just, they just say, all right, you can do whatever you want and, and bring it back. And no matter what it costs, we'll, okay. So yeah, this is definitely incompetent, um, leadership. At, at this point, because you, and and yeah. again, sorry, Phil, didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's I pretty um, <laughs> But uh, but again, uh, I'll bring this back to the real world, which is that when you work for a large corporation, shit like this happens. Uh, and we see later on in the episode, or earlier, as the case may be, um, that different arms of this corporate entity are not communicating with each other, uh, and you've you've got different people trying to. I uh, fix the Sandy Newton character uh, and up her note. And, and one group says, oh, well, we need to up her aggression. And then uh, the other group gets hold of it later and says, all those stupid assholes up her aggression. She doesn't need to be more aggressive. She needs to understand emotional uh, emotions more up that. Uh, and so you've got these different groups within the corporation not communicating with each other. 
and there are two instances in this episode that I want to talk about eventually that sh- that that are specifically going to lead to uh, the beginnings of the robot rebellion. Well, let me let me throw out a, my hypothesis here, and I have no uh, illusions about the dangers of corrupt bureaucracies and um, just bureaucracies becoming nightmares for their own existence, right? Just from their own uh, self, their own existence become overly complicated. And you're right. You do get breakdowns of communication. And I think the, though it's Anthony Hopkins is the main culprit here more so than Lee, because from what everyone is saying, he hasn't been contributing a whole lot. He hasn't weighed in on the storylines, as you said, for a long time. And so, we assume that this latest expansion pack, which is basically what they're doing, right? <laughs> right. Um, figures, well, we'll just, latest expansion will probably be rubber stamped because he never inputs. But they, but they are not aware of the fact that he's been working on his own storyline. Right. And, and that, you're right, but that, that's a specific problem with, uh, the Anthony Hopkins character who, more so than the, the conglomerate and the corporation itself. Oh, but there's other stuff sense. going on. We'll get there. Oh, there, there are. There, I'm, I'm absolutely sure. And, uh, you know, and we can also get into if you, if you wanted to, the, in, the question of why are you spending so much money making robot readers when you know you can get high school students doing it for far less, or pretty <laughs> college coeds. Um, I, I would state that the Anthony Hopkins character is very similar. He is playing his a lot of his archetype. Uh, this, you know, when when you think of Tom Cruise, he plays a certain type of role. When you think of Johnny Depp, he plays a certain type of role. When you see, you think of Anthony Hopkins, he always play not always, but he there's a Anthony Hopkins role, and you know this role here is similar to the role from uh, his film Hearts of Atlantis, for example. There's a lot of that I saw in this episode that reminded me of his role in Hearts of Atlantis. But the difference between this role and and the Hearts of Atlantis role is he's uh, mysterious just like that film, but here he's not playing ball the way he, he should be. In other words, he's, he's since he formed and created the robots and probably may have even owned the company once and then, you know, cashed in and made, you know, a billion dollars and is now like those two guys I told you about, where I used to work, where they sold the company, and they but they got a deal where they could <laughs> right. say, yeah, have offices in the penthouse for 20, 20 years before they get kicked out. Um, he he may be doing that, and and the problem is though he seems like he's a nice guy and gentle and harmless and all that, and I still think he is. It's just that what he's doing is dangerous, and he may not even know that it's dangerous. But the, I, am I, but there must be a piece of him that. That is, he knows that this is dangerous and he's trying to do something because he said that line in the very first episode, the original, which kind of seemed like just a, a cool little line, but I think it's going to be very important based off of where the series is going to go, which is we've reached our peak and we're not going to get any better. And mm-hmm. maybe he's purposely planning a robot apocalypse. Because maybe. Who knows? Be curious about. Uh, are reluctant to assume any benevolence on his part because, you know, this is a Frankenstein story in some degree. And 
Frankenstein is often the, the, the creation of his own destruction, right? And, um, or the cause of his own destruction. And he could just be, you know, so blindly arrogant in what he's doing, uh, that he's not realizing what the long-term consequences would be. Well, yeah, and, and let's be clear. Uh, Anthony Hopkins is the source of whatever is going to happen. The question is whether he's doing it on purpose or not. Right. And is he evil or not? Because let, let me ask you this. You can have the, the, um, the, the guy that's, that's the dictator that's good to his grandchildren, not, or not his grandchildren, the dictator that's good to his, his nieces and nephews, but then he's why not, his, why not his grandchildren? Well, because I was specifically thinking of Adolf Hitler, to be honest, <laughs> because Adolf Hitler didn't have grandchildren. Uh, but he, but he was but very kind. But fuck the grandchildren. He was he was very kind to his friends' children and his dogs and animals and all that stuff. But you know we know what he did. Could could this guy be Anthony Hopkins' character be that way? Obviously, he doesn't have the 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 anger streak because he's very relaxed and calm type of person. And, and he doesn't seem like to have the paranoid streak, say like a Joe Stalin. But, may, but in his eyes, does he think if he does do an apocalypse of the humans, is he doing it for evil reasons, or is in his eyes he's he's actually thinking he's doing good, that he's a doing good work? Is well, I think the answer to your question, the the answer to your question is that nobody sits around thinking about how evil they are. Um, you know, even 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 Hitler thought he was doing the right thing, right? Yeah. Uh, improving the human race. Uh, uh, or making so, Germany greater or whatever. Yeah. Right, making Germany greater. And by getting greater. rid of the Jews. Um, so uh, I, I don't think he's intentionally being evil. I don't think anybody's ever intentionally being evil. Um, I do think that maybe he uh, has a great respect for the potential of artificial intelligence that will come back to bite him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's blind. I think it's blind arrogance or, add, or uh, and ambition, yeah. um, and, and that he thinks he can be the one Megalodian. to move humanity forward. And it's you know sort of uh, go to the you mentioned Planet of the Apes. Go to uh, in the in the new series the James Franco character who uh, you know and kind of cheats his way into trying to find a cure for Alzheimer's and ends up creating the ape apocalypse. Right. So, good guy, but terribly short-sighted. Bad result, yes. Bad result. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think uh, that's where we're at here with Anthony Hopkins. Right, and and I'll be curious to see where he ends up. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping he ends up being a more complex character than you know John Hammond. Right, and I and I also hope he he lasts longer too because he's the type of character I could see creating. What he thinks is what, or creating what he does create, and then being either killed off, you know, you know the the typical trope where the, the monster kills the master, and he'll be shocked, like oh my god, and then he's dead, and that's it. Or will he be something different than that? But unfortunately, because of his stature and his age, it would not shock me if he ends up being this series Sean Bean. That's what I'm thinking too, Mike. Especially his personality type, because he, based off of how he talks to the children or the child robot in this movie, and, and it reminded me very much of the Hearts of Atlantis. He's almost like has that that passive acceptance. Worldly mentor. Well, not even that. He has a passive acceptance that he's doomed. 
in a sense. So he'll do what he has to do, but he's already accepted that there's an end. So he may be okay, the type of guy enough. that would be, yeah, he, he could be the type of guy that would do what he does, creates all this mayhem, and then sit down quietly, pull out a cigar and, and drink some scotch, waiting for the the beast to come to the door to kill him. Type. I'm and just interested to see what storyline he came up with. Yeah, to do it. Yeah. To, oh, and and you know what? This this thing where the human says, centipede. Oh well, God. Th- this thing here, where he says, "Oh, I have a better storyline than the one you're doing." That could be the that could be the storyline that's that's that he's planning the apocalypse with. Could be. All right. So let's uh, let's then get into who is the uh, the other scientist. What is his name? Uh, Jeffrey Wright's Bernard. character is Bernard Lowe. Bernard. Okay, so let, let's. Why don't we talk a little bit about Bernard? Okay. Um, because I think that ties into what we're talking about. Because he's been flirting around a little bit with Dolores. Right. Yeah, and that's a that's going to be a problem. Um, because really, Dolores was uh, checked out at the same time as her father went uh, and had a total meltdown, um, and she was sent back into circulation. And now Bernard has been continuing to uh, investigate her, and he's clearly on to the fact that she's not behaving the same as the other hosts, and that there's something different here. But he's so interested about the way she's acting and how it's different that he's not telling anybody about it. Um, And he's basically keeping these conversations between him and Dolores a secret, um, because he's just curious to see what happens next, um, and that might not end well. Now, do you, well, or, or, or do you think that the Bernard Lowe character may be the future um, uh, Doctor Robert Ford character? In other words, he's going to be because he's doing almost the same thing, which is he's noticing while Robert Ford is is doing the things that's making the robots go berserk or about to go berserk. Bernard Lowe is the one that rather than uh, agreeing with some of the other folks, just shut mm-hmm. them down, throw them away, put them put them in the basement. He's actually more interested, and it's like, ooh, this is something. You know, it's it's like the parasite uh, that you find in the in the wilderness, and instead of saying, all right, let's keep away, you instead start prodding it with, with a stick because it's interesting, and then you get zapped and killed yourself. Right. He's the he's the scientist in uh, in the fifties movie that's like don't destroy it we must communicate with it we must make friends with it <laughs> right exactly. and and right so in his case I think it's it's his curiosity um, now the, he's uh, we find out he's having an affair with the CEO or whatever her job is as manager yep. um, and I'm still convinced <clears throat> she's a robot. Eh, well, maybe, but uh, as we find more about their personal lives, again, I've held out last week that any one of them could be, but I'm coming, you know, as you start finding out, like, you know, he's having an affair, I'm less likely to think he's a robot. But anyway, um, the, the possibility, was it when I'm talking, the possibility of there being a uh, a mole or a spy, yeah. somebody, a, a saboteur, rather? Was it with her that he had that conversation? Was it a full-fledged conversation? I thought it was or, just a dropped line. Or a dropped line, uh, whatever it may have been. But, yeah, so... Right. Um, uh, if I could interject, uh, she appears to be a COO, Chief Operating Officer. Okay. So, so not actually the CEO, but, but basically the 
the the person that runs operations, it appears. So, so you're implying, Mike, if you go back to that comment where they're talking about a saboteur, obviously we know who the saboteur is. We know the saboteur is Robert Ford, Anthony Hopkins' character. Well, that's what I was going to ask, is who do you think? Uh, is it that obvious? Uh, certainly, obviously, we have Bernard kind of sabotaging things in that he knows something's wrong and he's not fixing it. But I don't think that makes it. I think he's just curious about finding out what's going on. I don't think that he's a saboteur. I don't know how much Ford is aware of what his machines are doing, right? How far along they are, or what the malfunctions are, or the potential hazards caused. Well, you know, I think I think he does. I think that's he, that's why his character has been so um, covered in mystery since the in these two episodes, especially. This, you know, him out in the desert talking to the child robot, looking at things, doing, setting things up, not telling anybody, uh, adding those little twitches in the robots, you know, like when they, when, right. um, when Clementine, uh, touches her, her, her lower lip when she, right after she says something that, you know, he's, he's the one that's throwing all this stuff in there. And so I think he knows more than you think, but I think he's the guy. I think they're clueless, but, for us, the audience, if you, if we're watching this like we're watching it, not just for a fun entertainment, um, we can see, or at least in my opinion, can see that it's Robert Ford, Anthony Hopkins' character. Well, and that's what is he is he too obvious the the answer to this? Is there is there a, and is it anyone else that we've met so far that it might possibly be? Right. So you're saying he could be the re- a red herring, and it's really something else bigger. It's not as obvious. It could be, and he and he would be my certainly my guess at this point based on the facts we have. But I think we could certainly rule out uh, Bernard, and I think uh, Lee is too much of an idiot. Um, right. What about think, what about Nutson? Uh, or that's the or her name's uh, in the show. Uh, Cullen, uh, Teresa Cullen. She's she's the, the the CEO. But and Eric says that she could even be a plant robot or whatever. But it, I, I mean. So I, I don't. It's, I mean, she's a possibility, although I don't know if that. I don't think she'd be very likely. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, I mean, think, and there's only what there's only two other real characters in the corporation that we really know, and that's um, uh, Hemsworth's character, who plays the, the head of security, and the the young woman um, pro, uh, programmer who who kissed the, kissed Clementine's ro- Clementine robot in the first episode. And that's right, it. Right? She's just the only, only other. She would be the only other one, but we haven't spent nearly enough time with her for me to get an idea. If it could yeah. have been her. So there's only like five or six, unless there's a there's a wild card that they haven't introduced yet. Right, and that's so that is certainly a possibility. Uh, but in wild uh, cards. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I really want to talk about the man in black. <laughs> okay, let's go. Uh, what? What's going on? Uh, I did like I like the fact that in this episode they acknowledged the man in black. And uh, that the people at the corporation know the man in black, uh, because they come up at one point and they're like, um, this dude just took out an entire posse. Do you want us to slow him down? And they're like, no, that guy gets to do whatever he wants. Uh, <laughs> so the, the people running the place know who he is, uh, clearly. Uh, and apparently he's a VIP. Um, we still don't know why or who the hell he is. Uh, and he's also looking for this maze that he found on the inside of the scalp of one of the hosts. What the fuck is that? Uh, and 
he kills some more hosts trying to get answers this episode as to where he can find the maze. So, well, I say that to me, this is, this reminds me of, uh, like first time I played super Mario brothers. Yeah. Um, is I remember like the first time I was in an arcade when I was, uh, I think I had to be five. So we're talking about 1975 and they had a game where you drove, a, I think it was a fire engine and it was like one of these viewing from the top down. Right. And, and I hit a glitch in the game where I was able to drive off the streets in the town and drive. And, you know, it's a very, very primitive game. So I'm literally just driving over. There's no interaction. But <laughs> driving through backyards and over swimming pools and over people and whatever. But it's just, but in my little immature five year old brain, that was like the most awesome thing ever. Cause I'm, I'm imagining all the chaos I'm causing in this neighborhood <laughs> that I'm supposed to be saving. Right. And then, and then ever after that, you know, you want to, you want to, you want to see what, how can you break the game? Where can you find the glitch that lets you do something you're not allowed to? Right. Uh-huh. Or, 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 Mike, it's checked. Um, a lot of video games like id Software would have hidden, hidden levels or hidden rooms or, right. Or right. And that's what, and that Easter, was what was Easter so eggs. awesome. Easter eggs. Right. And that was what was so awesome when I played, uh, Super Mario Brothers. Was that, you know, you break through the bricks and you jump on top. You go, ah, look, I'm running around in the area where the score is. And then you find a warp level. Right. And you're like, son of a bitch. They wanted me to do this. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, so that's kind of where, you know, the whole, the Westworld thing is that they he's finding, the like you said, he's finding the Easter eggs. Right. He's looking, what, what are the Easter eggs? What, what are the things they've planted there? Um, for me to find what's this secret level that he's trying to discover. Well, it's also fascinating to me that he keeps on referring to 30 years uh, and how he's right. like 30 years ago. So was it, was he, did the original movie happen in this world? Okay. That's one question I have. Was there, was there the original West world with the original robot rebellion that they put down? Did that all really happen in this universe? Um, and he see referred to the fact that he was kind of born in Westworld, and I'm curious as to what that means. Um, cause, uh, maybe he means that he really discovered that he's a black hat or whatnot. Uh, but but I'm 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 almost certain that comment has some significance. Um, and he's just like he's he's trying to dig for the Easter egg. <laughs> uh, he's doing horrifying shit to these poor hosts. Um, some of which, uh, he did to Sandy Newton's character and apparently she's remembering all that, uh, which is kind of interesting. And I think, uh, what's her face? Elsie? Is that the, uh, the programmer chick's name? Uh, yeah, Elsie, uh, had a, had a great line at one point during this episode where she's, uh, checking out the Sandy Newton bot. Um, and the guy she's working with says, do they dream? Um, and she goes, God, no. Uh, she goes, we wiped their memory after every sequence. Can you imagine how fucked we'd be if they could remember everything the hosts have done to them or everything the guests have done to them? Um, yeah. And I think that might be what's happening here because Sandy Newton has some, uh, they're, they're posed as dreams, but they might be actual memories of the man in black doing some nasty shit to her. Yeah. They're, right. they're, they're memories of, of their pro, their, I, I guess their what happened, programs. Yeah, it, it, well, not even programs, right? They're, they're uh, recorded uh, interactions. So it's like um, uh, the, whatever world they're, you know, they were alive at, as a, you know, two days ago is someone 
or clean, fresh memory. And then they were killed and murdered and all that is programmed as it's happening. And so their robot, so it's a memory because the robots can, can store memories, right? It's like, it's like, uh, you know, a database. They're, they're a database. So whatever happens to them is being recorded as, right. as, as stuff in a table. And so it wasn't deleted. Right. Is what, what's up and, and the fascinating thing here with Sandy Newton, oh God, I thought she was so good in this episode. Uh, is that she, she was says naked? Well, she was naked. That was kind of cool. Uh, but she also did a really good acting job, Phil. Uh, she sure did. She sure did. <laughs> uh, which is that while uh, naked? Wow. Uh, also, naked. Yeah. yeah, she did that while naked too. Um, but uh, they keep on tweaking her her parameters uh, as a robot in 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 this episode, and she actually uh, delivers the same. A uh, little speech three different times according to these behavior modifications that have been imposed upon her robot. Uh, and I thought she did a great job of, of mixing it up in the appropriate way. Uh, I thought that was awesome. Uh, and then uh, during the story, while she's in, in the uh, storyline of the Westworld, uh, she says something about when she she has a bad dream, she just counts to three and makes herself wake up. Uh, and then later she's, she's remembering what the man in black did to her and she does that, uh, and actually wakes up in the repair room where two of the techs are working on her. <laughs> and this scene was amazing, uh, cause she wakes up and basically, uh, they've, uh, gutted her. Uh, I mean, if, uh, from her perspective, right, um, she wakes up and there are these two guys cutting her open, uh, and, and she freaks out and jumps off the table and grabs a scalpel, uh, and, and try, and tries to escape. And the, uh, and the one guy is yelling at the other tech, you forgot to put her in sleep mode! Uh, and they finally catch her and, and knock her out. The guy's like, I swear to God, I put her in sleep mode. He's like, does that fucking look like sleep mode? Um, so here's the thing. Is that he probably did put her in sleep mode, and the robots are dreaming now, and pulling the memories that are supposed to have been erased. So that question that Elsie asked earlier, can you imagine how fucked we'd be if the robots could remember what the guests did to them? They might be about to find that out. Uh, and of course, this this uh, this tech, these these poor hapless techs that had this incident, don't want anybody to know that they fucked up, so they're not going to tell anybody about it. They just drag the robot back to where they were working on her. Right, right. What they should do is hire uh, um, uh, the people that work for Hillary Clinton to delete all the robots. Oh God! Oh, sorry. And bring in politics. Uh, uh, but Can't anyway, help yourself. Uh, either way, um, that's a fair point. And she just she has new memories too because she sees all the corpse robots, you know, being washed from because the first thing it appears after they get killed they throw them all in this big tank and, and oh my just, god if you didn't know what was going on can you imagine how horrifying that would be to walk in on that yeah that would be that would be pretty uh scary because it looks like like a friggin uh dead bodies yeah a, a concentration camp or something like that right you know? right like, holy jesus you know i'd uh, be so thinking as long as i'm not getting an anal probe <laughs> and uh um Either way, uh, yeah, so that was a horrifying, uh, thing. Um, so yeah, she'll probably have that memory. Um, but I, I did, I, I mean, the show has some, I don't know if they're flaws, but some things that make me question is like, okay, the robot isn't 
getting laid because that's her her point, I guess. That's why they're trying to do all these these tweaks on her. Um, doesn't really matter because there's still Clementine there, and there's dozens of other prostitutes as we, we've seen. Um, so, so well, I, I think you may have missed a a, a point, uh, yeah. which is that the reason they were doing that uh, is because they were trying to clear up hosts uh, for that douchebag storyline. Uh, he needed like thirty more hosts, so oh. he was he was pressuring them to retire some so he could recycle them uh, for his storyline. So they were oh, trying to find the ones that have reached the end of their useful life, and they thought she might be one. Oh, and then they would use her in the new story. Right. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Okay. Or, or or put a new one in. I'm, I think that the idea might be that there's a limit as to the number they can have running at one time. All right. Yeah, I guess. Because if she, cause, cause there, cause there are ones that they permanently retire. And so if she's well, permanently they retired, they can bring a new one in. Well, and they also recycle them. Like uh, they were right. saying that uh, Peter Abernathy in the last episode – had been like several different characters uh, before he was Peter Abernathy, uh, so they could just recycle her into a character in the new storyline. Yeah, but my sense is that's what the that storeroom is for those who are permanently put out to pasture. Yes, absolutely. So um, I was going to say something. I would, oh, here here's a thought with well, two things. Uh, one about the Man in Black. Um, is it possible? That he's the source of the original problem. Could he be the original robot malfunction? That thought occurred to me. That, that he's a robot himself. Could, could yeah, he actually be? Could he be Yul Brenner? That thought occurred to me, but it doesn't. To me, it doesn't jive. If the people at the corporation know who he is and are like, "That guy gets whatever he wants. Leave him alone." That doesn't make sense to me. Uh, first of all, and also. Uh, there's the fact that uh, the bullets keep exploding when people try and shoot him, just like he's a guest. So that wouldn't it, jive if he was actually a robot. It, Wait, it's, which, it's, a, it's a good point, too, Mike. But but besides Eric's point, it's also the fact that everything is probably recorded. You know, they they would someone would remember he was. This is a guy that was a robot back 30 years ago. Well, yeah, but the question is, why are they letting? Why would be then? Why would they let that? Being roam free, why would they let that machine continue to roam in the park? Um, and that's the only part I haven't really been able to figure out. That would be the f- the big flaw in that 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 uh, hypothesis. Um, if you can program the guns to not fire a guess, I'm sure you could program to not fire at that one specific individual. Right. Yeah. And here's here's a thing I'm not sure of um, because I really I guess I wasn't paying close enough attention. We see them shoot the man in black. And right. they go, and you get little, little, like a little bit mm-hmm. of powder, doesn't do anything. Have we seen that happen to any of the any of the others, to any of the actual guests? You know, I was thinking about that, and I don't think well, any of the we, other guests have been involved in sufficient gunplay for us to know. There was the one uh, kind right. of dorky guy, the last episode, that walked up behind the robber and shot him in the back of the head, uh, but nobody got a shot off at him. Yes, I don't think there's enough yet, Mike. We haven't had enough violent uh, shootout scenes yet to know. Right, so that'll be something to watch for, right? Was Were the bullets bouncing off of them, you know, or whatever you want to call it? Is that right. a clue? Right. Or is so that when, something when, that happens to every guest? Well, we're going to, yeah, because William and, and Logan will probably be the, the two, right? So um, we'll have to see if William and Logan have... Um, 
um, this happen to them when when they get into their first gunfight? Will the bullets just puff when they hit them? So that, that yeah, you're right, Mike. That that's a thing. So that's something we should be looking for. Um, one one thing that's interesting, and I I don't know if this is intentional, but at least on Wikipedia, it it lists um, the main cast and. Uh, the first and last are, are the most obvious uh, because the first is Evan Rachel Wood, and she plays Dolores Abernathy, and you can probably guess that she's probably the the, the lead for the for the series. And Anthony Hopkins is the very last on the list because you know uh, and special guest star, you know Anthony Hopkins, and 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 if he's the Sean Bean, that would make it even more of a a possibility. But Ben Barnes, who plays Logan, is one, two, three, four, fifth listed, while William is listed like 13th. So is this another red herring where they're focusing on William? And, well, are they, in reality, I, Logan is going to be the, I, the big human. Guess I that's going to have the, the change. I think you're overanalyzing a Wikipedia entry. Well, are, they, well, are they listed by any chance taking out... Um, Taking out uh, the the big actors, are is everybody else listed alphabetically? No, no, okay. no, not, not at all. And it's and the re, and the list is is I mean one way we could do is, is I, if I rewatch the show and see how they start listing. For example, in Game of Thrones, there's five actors on that show that get paid huge money, and for example, Sophie Turner isn't one of them. Which makes me think that okay, Sophie Turner isn't going to be sitting on the Game of Thrones at the end, you know. So it's it's you know Cersei's character, Jaime, uh, Jon Snow, um, Daenerys, and uh, one other person, uh, who, whoever's big, I forget who, uh, on the show. Oh, but you it, know, it, it's not Baelish, Baelish either. So that may that's that you know there, there's little hints that have nothing to do with the plot that can tell you something. And here you, it's. Uh, it, it, Go ahead, Eric. I was just going to say, you could be right, but let's remember that Heather Lockler was also a special guest on Melrose Place for six seasons. But th- Well, that was intentional. She th- she had that written in her contract that she wanted to be a special guest at the end of the credits so she would get a special billing. So that that was a little different. I see your point. Well, well but that's but we but let's wait and see. We all of this comes down to very often what got negotiated with uh, with what um, with what agents and for what reason and so we don't know how long if how many characters have or actors rather have contracts to go beyond the first season how yeah. big a name they were considered coming into the series um, as opposed to you know it's so we'll we'll, we'll see where they all end up. Um, and why they got their particular place, but I, I would just be a little hesitant, especially when you're going by the Wikipedia entry, because that just and that's they fair, could have just fair. been added as more as as uh, new actors were announced, as opposed to yep. some sort of official entry. Um, so anyway, the other thing is since it is Canada Day or Canada Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving or whatever you yeah. call, yeah. whatever Canada whatever Thanksgiving. silly thing they do, um, I'm wondering if they may have stolen a little something from one of the uh, a Canadian kind of cult horror film of the last few years called Pontypool. Oh, it's terrible, uh, terrible film. Well, little no, silly on the ending. Wasn't that? But, but if you remember Pontypool, the there was a, a virus or sort of a mental virus transmitted audibly, right? Yep. And does it seem to me that's what's transmitting the computer virus? Is the violent dreams end violently or whatever that these violent the lights end 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 violently? Because that's uh, what the, 
That's what that's what Dad whispered into Dolores's ear. Yeah, but well, how did Dolores, Dad start going berserk? He well, looked we, at the that, picture. Uh, well, he well, we don't know if that's what started. Certainly, was it didn't help. But then she whispered it into um, the Dandy Newton character's ear, Maeve, I think her name is, and she started going berserk. Also, if I'm not mistaken, was everybody who is either that everybody that has had the fly land on them too. Well, everybody had the fly land. I think that was that was all setting up the um, the, the sting to the final to the first episode. Okay, now now when they were when they were working on the Thandie Newton character, uh, one of the techs made a comment about she had some type of infection. And no wonder we have a fly problem. What 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 type of infection did she have? I didn't catch it. I didn't understand they, the word. They said MRSA, which is uh, multiple drug resistant Staphylococcus aureus. So okay. it's it's and so in other words, it's it's a staph infection. Um, I guess there's some organic tissue in there, or, or you know, it's at least a dark, damp place where bacteria can can thrive. And we don't uh, know and and. We don't, <laughs> and 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 we don't really want to know what the organic tissue left behind was. Oh, okay. But that unfortunately, gets back to unfortunately, I get it now. And Sandy Newton's, uh, Newton's character would most certainly get a lot of that uh, biological stuff. Oh uh, <laughs> no! That, that that brings me back to my comment in the first episode that the worst job has to be the one who gets to clean out the whorebots. Um. Um. Now let's 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 go. Well, Mike, to, to be politically correct, I would call them escort bots or, or <laughs> prostitute bots or, or something of that. I mean, whore is kind of derogatory, but it's, anyway. it's the it's the it's it's the old Westville. They're whore bots. Fair oh. enough. Um. So, I I I see your point. Maybe, yeah, maybe. But but again, this is this is all computers, right? I mean, even though they're they can become sentient, they're still. Uh, you know, uh, ones and zeros. So here's the thing, though. They clearly do react to certain phrases in a certain manner. That's right. Um, and the Anthony Hopkins character at one point in this episode pretty much hypnotizes a robotic rattlesnake just through finger motions, right? Yeah. Uh, and he controls the little boy bot with certain phrases. Um, so... Here's actually this is actually a pretty huge clue pointing that Anthony Hopkins is doing this on purpose. Uh, if part of his little uh, reverie update was planting certain code phrases, and then now the robots are whispering the code phrases to each other, uh, it's been demonstrated that the bots will respond to certain code phrases. So maybe this is all part of uh, Anthony Hopkins' plan. Oh yeah, well that's the thing, Eric. I I, I was questioning like when when they took out. The, the two techs uh, inject something into Thandie Newton's character to put her out. I thought right. that was odd because we've seen She's a robot. <laughs> well, 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 not even because that. That's a fair point too. But um, for example, Elsie to sh- stop Dolores Abernathy, uh, you know, or she just said a phrase, and and that phrase knocked her out. And they said, "All right, here's another robot to take away." To, well, to, you know. it, it could so, be a it could be a level of access thing. These guys are kind of grunts, right? Yeah. Uh, they're they're the cleanup crew. Yeah, they're the, uh, they're they, the they horse the box. people. Yeah. Uh, so this could be like the the difference between a, a wrench monkey and a programmer. Uh, the programmers would have the access, and the wrench monkeys wouldn't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it could be 
I mean, we haven't seen any of this, but it could be uh, voice recognition. So if a if a guest says it says a, the, the code phrase, it's not going to work because it's not voice recognized. You know. Because- uh, well, that shoots down my theory. I, I don't think it's voice recognition unless he programmed them to recognize each other voices. What's your theory? <laughs> I didn't say his theory. My theory is that Anthony Hopkins is part of his software update. Uh, encoded code phrases into the bots that would make them start dreaming uh, and pulling up their unerased memories. Um, and that's been demonstrated by Dolores whispering to, uh, what's her name, Maeve? Whispering to Maeve, and then all of a sudden she starts dreaming. Um, so if they can react to code phrases and the robots are now whispering code phrases to each other, that could spread the quote-unquote sickness um, which is actually just uh, code that Anthony Hopkins uploaded. Yeah, because what happened is that Abernathy, Peter Abernathy, for some reason he started it, and we don't know why, except that he found a picture. And then he whispers something into uh, Dolores' ear, and Dolores suddenly begins dreaming and, and acting weird. And then Dolores uh, meets Meve on the street, Maeve on the street, and, and whispers something in her ear, and then she starts acting crazy. So that that's a really good point, Eric. I never thought of that. that, that so we'll see yeah. if uh, if Maeve whispers anything to anybody next episode. Right. Well, and that's another thing that's pretty cool too, Eric, because, you know, being uh, IT professionals, you know, there's certain software that can detect things. But uh, a phrase like this may not be detected uh, when you're, you're doing virus, a code to detect viruses. Uh, for example, like, like a lot of these terrorists, uh, uh, or, or just people in general, you, like, for example, you can take a picture of, um, of, um, the, you know, University of Michigan Stadium. And, mm-hmm. and what you do is then you embed in that, oh, and you've, you've read the, the books Demon and, uh, Freedom too. So, you, right. yep. so, so you, you can embed, uh, you can take that picture. You can open the picture in uh, in Microsoft Text, and you get all the squiggly lines and shit. And then you can right. type in a phrase there in that that Notepad, the the mm-hmm. Notepad text editor. And then you can close it. And then when you reopen it in the as a graphic, it's still the picture of the stadium of University of Michigan, but no one knows right. that there's a phrase hidden in the code. And another example in that well, book, Demon and, and Freedom, Eric, was when the uh, the the guy that made the, the video games in that, those books, he didn't put it in the code. What he did was put it in the graphics in the video game. So you could see messages in the graphics in the video game if you get to a certain point, but it's not in the code. Well, and, and here's so, the other so thing. That's how you is, hide messages. Is, is that if they're actually, I don't know if they would even bother to run a, a quote-unquote antivirus on their own robots um, since they're the only ones that can access them. Yeah, Sorry. Uh, like, I just got something in my throat. I had to take a sip of water. Anyway. Um, uh, but if anybody would know how to, how to rootkit these robots, so, so to speak, uh, it would be Anthony Hopkins because he's the one that started it all. So, so with his code update, he could have uh, written something in that worked itself into the core OS of the robots, and even though they rolled back the software update, that's still in there. 
Right, right, exactly. So it can't. It, in other words, the robots are already tainted. It's part of the the core, like you said, rather right. than mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. See, I was just assuming that you know he's Willy Wonka in his chocolate factory, and he knows because he designed everything, he built everything. He knows all the back doors and would install back doors into into all of his creations. So he has a way to access them. Well, and that that, that's others when Eric. When Eric was talking, and I, and I was unfortunately or, or talking over him, that was the point I was going to make, Mike, which is th- you don't even need to do any of these this special stuff because Anthony Hopkins could be at a little desk terminal, type in the backdoor code, press a button, and and actually be manipulating the robots even as they're walking around in Westworld because everything's Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or anyway. So you just press a button, and he could be changing the code on uh right in the code and then just presses a button and boom everybody uh, in Westworld is back to they roll back to the update again too so it, it, i mean there's so many different ways the robots can be corrupted especially by a guy like Anthony Hopkins character who you know we, we don't know what he's doing that's shady behind the scenes plus technology nowadays is you don't have to just plug a robot into uh, the wall you can just press a button because everything's Wi-Fi and, and all that crap. Fair enough. So what do we want to talk about that we haven't hit yet? Well, by the way, some other things. Um, lines along those lines. Uh, where is it saying? I'm trying to remember where this phrase was. It was comparing. It's talking about witchcraft. Oh, it's, uh, sp- it's a conversation between Hopkins and Bernard. Right, and it says it's it's we and it says witchcraft. We speak the right words. Ah, right, yeah, so that he does say that, to, doesn't he? Yeah, correct. So that kind of again ties back into that. I, I'm just looking at my my notes here. Um, Who's Hopkins, Eric? Sorry, Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins. I keep on oh, oh, mixing oh, oh, up Don, actor Robert names Ford. and character yeah. names. Yeah, Robert Ford. Yeah. My fault. I'll try and stick to character names. Oh, um, yeah, and that's. Hey, that's an excellent catch, Mike, because that you're right, because witchcraft or spells, uh, you know, whether it's good or bad, doesn't matter. Um, it has to be said a certain way, and if you screw up the spell, you know, it, it's not going to work. So it's the same thing here, right? You get these, these spells are these phrases that are being said to Dolores, to Maeve, to who knows who's next. Um, right. And, 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 you know, if, if Hopkins's character, the Ford character is actually the one saying this stuff to Bernard, then, you know, this, these aren't just throwaway lines. These are, this is, this is it. That's it. This is like the spells that are being cast that are causing the robots to go bonkers, intentionally going bonkers, intentionally going sentient based off of quote unquote spells by Anthony Hopkins. Right. Well, and here's the other thing is that the Abernathys were relatively secluded, right? Off on yes. her uh, farm. That's right. Uh, and now that, uh, now that Maeve is, is quote unquote infected, uh, she's in town with a whole lot more characters around her. Uh, and she could uh, spread this thing pretty quickly if she starts whispering to people. Now, Eric, let me ask you this. Did she... Was she being when they had her on the table? Were they decommissioning her, or were they going to give her another chance out in the the field? Oh, uh, she was in there. If you caught the uh, the scene with, uh, oh damn it, what's her name, Mandy? Um, Elsie, sorry, Elsie, the programmer 
woman. Yep. Yep. Um, when she was when she was tweaking the parameters for uh, for Maeve, uh, she said, "Oh, she's also in physical discomfort. Uh, the next the next cycle, have them have them take a look." Uh, so I believe that's what was happening when those two guys were were opening her up. Okay, so they were going to throw it back out into the yes, the, they were going to the they were going to put her back into circulation. Okay, and based off of what Mike said, which is did or or maybe it was you, Eric, they're these are the type of guys that aren't going to say, "Oh shit, we fucked up." They're going to hide the whole thing and just hope nothing was filmed on camera. Exactly. And, yes. and then and then just do what they were supposed to do by Elsie. And then right. throw Mandy, uh, I mean, Meeve's character back out there. And guess what? The first person Meeve is going to talk to is either going to be the James Martin robot or the Clementine Pennyfeather robot. Mm-hmm. And and these people, especially the Pennyfeather one, is going to go person to person to person um, because she pro- propositions not just humans but robots as well. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. that Once Maeve gets back to the saloon, uh, there, there's robots all over the place. So if she starts whispering to people, uh, things could get weird quick. Right, which leads me to the question, do they know when they say the phrase that they're spreading the virus, or is it just something that they're doing incidentally? And Mike, let me ask you this, because you just brought that up. When Dolores does it to Meve, she has this odd, you know, like the world is going to end comment or something like that. And then she whispers something in her ear or whispers something in her ear first and then says the world's going to end or whatever. Uh, well, not that exact phrase, but something that was like doomsday. Um, was she just going nuts or like you said, uh, was it intentional? And I don't, I don't know. So is Dolores intentionally going, went up to me to say this or was it a, a, a program snap, you know, like a, a loop, uh, uh, well, is it something like, you know, when you have a, a cold, the cold transmits itself by getting your mucous membranes going and forcing you to sneeze, which is going to spread the virus more. You don't sneeze in order to spread the virus, but you don't have any control over the sneeze. So is, so is speaking the phrase, violent, these violent delights have violent ends, is that the method, of, is that a, a, a programming tick that the computer virus forces you to do, or do you it's just like you involuntarily sneeze, or, or do you know that you're spreading it when you do it, like wiping your your hand on your nose and smacking in somebody's face? Right, and, and I'm I'm also curious if Dolores is consciously knows that she's saying it when she says it, like we we were right. conscious and know that we're sneezing, right? And uh, yet, yeah, does she know that? Because you would think after she says it. A few minutes later, she goes, "Why the hell did I say that? What that was weird, you know, you know." Versus us, who's going to say we sneeze? Oh, we must have a cold, or we just had right. dust in our nose, or whatever. We'd have to, we'd have to check. And the only other thing, yeah, we'd have to, yeah, I think that's something we'd have to find out as it goes along. Is this accidental transmission or intentional transmission? Right. Yeah. Oh, oh and 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 do they even know they're, do, they're doing it? Meaning, meaning, are they right? Yeah. Yeah. So, which is, I guess, accidental or not? Yeah. And, so and we have, yeah. Go sorry, ahead. I was just going to say. Then there's the there's the thing we haven't talked about yet, uh, which is Dolores Abernathy continues her own weirdness uh, this episode by just randomly walking to a spot in the yard outside of her house, uh, saying "here" and digging up a gun. Um, so I'm wondering if perhaps that is not one of these special Westworld guns, but an actual functioning gun uh, that she might be able to shoot guests with. Ooh. 
Ooh, that's good. And and how was it planted there? Right. Mm. And how did she know how to find it? All very interesting questions. Well, right. Is that one of the Easter eggs? Is that special? That is that the special plus five gun of guest murder? <laughs> I think it well, is. Well, well, and then it makes makes it even more um, malevolent. This whole thing because if there someone is plant, right, there's one thing if you're fucking up with the the programs of the robots. There's another thing if you're intentionally placing uh, things that could kill human beings. You know, whether it's to protect the robot. But again, maybe it's not malevolent, right? If, if Anthony Hopkins did it, he's saying, oh, this is to this is a, a gun that will save you from the rapists and the murderers and all that. So you should use it. But it's also malevolent because he's saying, OK, kill these people, even because they're even, you know, they're only doing it because it's a role game, you know, right. it's a role play. So, there so was um, there was one line from Anthony Hopkins uh that I wrote down. It's like the last thing that we didn't, which was you can't play God without being acquainted with the devil. Ah. So the question is, who is the devil he's acquainting himself with? Hmm. And, you know, so yeah, it's obviously, um, you have computer oh, but, but malfunctions, that, but, but that Mike, that could mean, he could be just saying that, that the devil and, and God are the same thing. That's how I took it. I didn't take it as there's a second person that's the devil that's, that's quote-unquote playing the devil that's helping him out. Well, that's one possibility, but is he the devil too? Because he's, he's obviously the one playing God. Right. Right. I, see, I got it more as the, the good and the bad in, in human nature. You know, the, the good angel on the right shoulder and the evil devil on the left shoulder type of thing, and that's what he was implying. Exactly. Right. Was that well? You can't be well. You you can't you can't be all powerful and not be acquainted with the bad. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean. I mean. And it even comes down to William, right? Where where he is a guy that doesn't want to be bad, but you know he's tempted to have sex with the the intro chick, and he's he's tempted to listen to his buddy and do stupid things, but he doesn't want to. And it's and and here, but yeah, but yeah. In this case, I guess it's it's even more well. Sorry, Phil, didn't mean to cut you off. No, that was good. Uh, I, I was just going to say, we might be reading too deeply into that line um, because in context, he's talking to Bernard. Bernard was having a hard time um, for having to archive some of the hosts um, because he, the way that conversation starts is he says to Anthony Hopkins, you taught me how to make these things uh, come to life. You, you, you never told me about uh, you know killing them. Uh, and, and how difficult it is to, to put them away. Uh, and that's where that whole conversation started. So, uh, maybe that was just Anthony Hopkins trying to, uh, let Bernard know that, hey, yeah, you get this thrill of creation. Uh, but this is the flip side that you've got to deal with. Yeah. Well, it's possible, Eric, but based off of how a lot of these lines, like the witchcraft line or, uh, the humans have, have, have come as far as they can line and, and a few others. I'm beginning to think that a lot of these lines were, were thought out by the screen, screenwriters, which in, at least in these first two episodes is, is Nolan and his wife. Yeah, you could be right. I'm just throwing it out there. No, yeah, or they does. may have double meanings, so. Yeah, yeah double um, meanings. It, well, yeah, they, they all have double meanings, yeah. Well, because if Hopkins is the saboteur, he knows stuff that's going on that Bernard doesn't, and so that line has a different meaning for him. 
uh, when he speaks it. I, I was thinking that he was implying that he has evil thoughts himself, meaning he's not the good, jolly grandpa. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it does, but that's what I'm saying is yeah. that he's, you know, that he's he's done the good, he's done the bad. Right. And you take them both, there you have the facts of life. Which is interesting, too, because <laughs> who only a person that would look at robots as as sentient beings or pets would say such a thing because, you know, if, if you're the guys in, in um, office space with the bats hitting the, the, the fax machine, you're not feeling bad at all because you know it's just a fucking fax machine. But if you suddenly think that fa- take uh, a, uh, a living qu- quality and place it on a machine or an object – then I could see someone saying that that phrase that, you know, you have to see the devil, too, when you're you know working with these robots, because otherwise you would just look at them as programs. Or, or you know, you know what I'm saying? Unless some of these people are just, you, you know, unless we're to a point where we already the people that work on these robots already are looking at them as more than just robots. And I, I don't think I see that except for maybe Anthony Hopkins's character. Well, if they're just not just robots, then why is Bernard having a hard time putting them away? Well, I, I think. Well, I think, and that's the, I that's the point is that they're they're so lifelike at this point that that's where the trouble comes in. Oh, right. I think, but I think that's that that's a misnomer, Mike. I think he's he's more the the scientist from the 1950s or one of the idiots in the movie Prometheus, which is oh, let's go touch this, let's look at this, we got to look at this. No, I, I think I think there's a fundamental thing in humans. Um, you look at the way. Stupidity. <laughs> well, no. Well, okay. Let's let's say. Look at the way you interact with your pets. Yeah, they're not people. Yeah, but they're um, living organisms. Says but they're you. living. Or, but they're living organisms. But they're not human beings. They're not. They're machines, not human no. beings. I'll give you that. But they're right. not machines. We. Well, but they're not human beings. And. You know, you you finally had was it the Catholic Church this year or the Pope finally said, ah, okay, fine the. That your kitty cat's going to have it. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, it, right? Um, we look at the way we we associate ourselves with characters and stories, and people get very upset if their favorite character in a, in a TV show or, or a book series or Beth, whatever dies. Beth lives. Beth lives. <laughs> right, like strange Beth and Stranger Things. So, oh no, no, I meant, I meant from Walking Dead. Beth. Oh no. Okay, so it's you know that's how. We react. We react to non-human entities as long as they're, they're, they in some way simulate things that get a response from us as if they're people. Right. Right. And so when – But but they – yeah, I said – all right, all right. Can, yeah, can, so when – so, I mean that's the whole point. When someone dies in a movie, I think back what was the uh, splash. <laughs> well, yeah. Makes me cry every time. But remember uh, the movie Splash with Tom Hanks and Daryl uh, Hannah? Daryl Hannah, yeah. uh, right, and he's trying to explain to her she's watching TV. She's watching, I think it's an old western, and she's crying because somebody just got gunned down in the street, and he has to explain to her that right, he's not really actor. dead. Right, that's just an actor. And then she says, "Oh, well, it's kind of actually." I said, he'll, "He'll be fine in the next movie." And just as oh, so it's actually kind of funny. And he's like, "Well, I never thought of it that way." Um, but it's right. It's it, we we take these emotional responses seriously for something that is clearly fake. Right, it's just like a uh, uh, galaxy quest with the historical documents. Right, 
<laughs> so, and this is really, this is just one great big wrapped up, you know, ball of entertainment in the end. Yeah, it is. And that, and that's what, uh, yeah, I think we're talking in circles at this point. Why did Anthony Hopkins character say, if you're playing God, you have to also know the devil too. Well, and, 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 and I don't was, know yet is the answer. <laughs> right. But, but, but that's why we're talking about it. We're trying to decipher these things. And, and I was, I was stating that maybe he said that because he's looking at the robots as pets or as people, or in other words, something that is more than just a machine. And so if he does something terrible to a robot, which he probably has in the past because he has to work on them and, you know, lab technicians on, on a robot and see if the arm hurts when they stab it or whatever. He's thinking that he has been the devil at one, at one point. And that's all I, I, th- I think that's why I think this is a, a double meaning phrase and not just uh, a phrase to help Bernard do his job. Okay. I, I'm sure it has greater significance. We'll just have to wait and find out. So I think that kind of, I think we've exhausted it. I don't think we've missed anything. I don't think so either. Well, let's talk about what we think Anthony Hopkins' uh, new storyline is, because he keeps on looking at this weird... There's there's a church. It's yeah, got a cross on top. Yeah, burned out church or something. I don't know what it is. It's weird. It's not a full, it doesn't look like a full building. Yeah, it's almost like a... It looks a, like a steeple's maybe sticking out of the dirt. Is it buried, maybe? Maybe the buried ooh, remains yeah. of a church? Yeah, see, yeah I was they, thinking something underground. See, when they first showed it, and he was looking at it, because they show it, like... Uh, from uh, a the, distance. Yeah, for, well, or or from the perspective where it is, so you're, like, standing inside it, and, and you see Hopkins and the little robot boy in the distance, and then they pull back and they show the cross, but as they're pulling back... I was thinking that it was it was a uh, oil well because it, it kind of had I, that... I had that thought myself, um, but then I was like, that would make no sense. And then I saw the cross on top. I was like, that makes more sense. Yeah. Um, right. Well, well, and with the cross on top, at first I was wondering because he's, and this is right before we find out the boy he's talking to isn't real. Um, well, right. I knew that already. Oh, I suspected. I am SMRT. What? I am SMRT. Oh, yes. Smart. Yes. And I, I was actually wondering, like, why is he going out in the walk there? Why is he going to that place? Excuse me. I was thinking maybe. I was actually wondering, did was there somebody he knows buried there? Because um, it, it kind of because it was black and had a cross on top. I was wondering if it might have been uh, some well, sort of a, a memorial site. What right? about this? What about this, Mike? We know that Peter Abernathy, his character, one of his old. Uh, uh, storylines before he became Dolores' father was as a preacher. So would this be the church where his story was, and he was a hellfire and burning preacher or something? And and Abernathy's character, even though he's in the dungeon now, locked away, he's and he, but he was the one that started it all. And this that storyline from the past where he says you're all going to die. And you know, on and on. I don't. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe it has something to do with the Abernathy storyline of being a, a hellfire preacher. I don't know. I don't know. I, and we'll find out. I'm sure this is the this is the beginning of his of his grand plan. 
Yes. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this, Mike. You were you were going on about how yeah, was someone was killed there? Maybe they're buried there. Where were you going? Where were you thinking? I didn't know. I just thought at first I didn't wasn't thinking he had any grand scheme to what he was doing. Okay. I thought he was just taking a walk that you know maybe was something sentimental, you know, and visiting a site that that's, you know that's what I thought. Too, had, uh, by the way, to him. I also love the fact that they have this little phone booth thing that apparently can pop up wherever they want in Westworld. <laughs> he just like pops up in the middle of the desert and steps out. It's like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. Well, if it goes wherever he wants, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a warp location. There, yeah, there could be set destinations. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um, yeah, but it is kind of cool uh, how they just enter the world. Uh, and, well, that's, a, that's the thing, Mike, is that, um, yeah, I, I thought originally because at the, the based off the first episode, I, I thought he was. I didn't think he was necessary. Had malevolent ideas, and he was just a guy that was sentimental to the robots. And then you know when you're seeing him walking in the desert, you're thinking at first I'm thinking that it's the same thing. You know, he's just sentimental and he's just that type of guy. But it appears that everything. His character has done in the, at least the first two episodes, no matter how innocuous or quiet they appear, may actually all have an agenda behind them. And that was interesting well, to find and, out. And I'm pretty sure that they do, but at the same time, I don't think, ah, I don't think his intention is malevolent, uh, at least not from his viewpoint. I think, uh, well, although the gun kind of throws that into question, but, uh, up until Dolores found the gun, uh, I was thinking that his his aim was not really um, anti-human so much as pro-robot, uh, and that he was just trying to develop them into uh, true artificial life forms and give them sentience. Yeah, I, I should have used the term malevolent. I, what I probably should have used was uh, against company policies. Well, which brings us back to the idea of a saboteur, and could there be somebody who knows what he's doing and is trying to screw it up. Or, 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 the man in or, black. Or, or, or trying, to, trying to Well, help I don't know if the man in black has gotten that far. He's trying to figure stuff out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he would know enough to go you know, planting a gun to start the robot rebellion. Yeah, so the question is, is there an ash in the company? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Besides, yeah, uh, just for folks at home, by Ash, he's referring to, I assume, the uh, the traitorous alien robot from Alien. That's right. Uh, oh, I thought he was talking about Ash from Evil Dead. No, and no, not, no, and not the not the lunatic with the boomstick <laughs> hand. No, yeah, it's, I was it's I, my boomstick. <laughs> I'm, Mike, I'm impressed that you, me, and you are on the same wavelength. Eric was thinking. No, for, no, at first I thought that I thought that, and I said that makes absolutely no sense. Um. Because well, I Ash thought that because I watch I watch Ash versus Evil Dead right before I watch Westworld, so that's why it came to my mind. Right. But but Mike within uh, ten seconds ruled it out and said, "Oh, I know what he's talking about. He's talking about Alien because I'm a geek just like he is." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, and, and that's what I'm. You're damn right. Um, so yeah, so I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Well, I'm not thinking, but based off of. I think it was you, Mike, originally. You're thinking that there it could be a robot in the midst of of company employees. I thought that's a possibility. I'm not saying for certain. No, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just I'm just holding that out as a possibility. 
I refuse I guarantee- to be. I, re- I refuse to be surprised by that if it happens. Yeah, I guarantee that somebody in the company is a robot. I'm just not 100 percent sure who it is. And and uh, is that robot an Ash, or is that robot um, just there for um, you know from the higher ups just watching to make sure everything goes right? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know either. And again, that's a but, but I but I think the robot. the COO chick knows what's going on because uh, she's really? the one that delivers that line to Lee in the first episode. She goes, "Ah, so you're smart enough to know something's going on, but you're not smart enough to know what it is exactly." Um, Ooh, good catcher. So, so I think she's in on whatever is going on, and I also think she's quite possibly a robot. And she's banging uh, one of the programmers, which and yet Bernard. And she doesn't tell him anything, which is interesting. Well, and I think Bernard actually might know she's a robot. Why is that? Because of the comment he made in the first episode about um, the little movement and the muscles by her eyes. That might have been a that could be a reverie that uh, that Ford put in the code. Yeah, and then he goes, "Can I record it and and, and videotape it so I can?" And she kind of gets taken aback. Right. Uh, I bet he says that to all the girls. Well, I'll tell you one thing. It, it definitely didn't turn her off because she she's still going to his bedroom. So, well, because maybe because she's programmed to. Yeah, that's true. Assuming she's a robot. Hmm. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, yeah, no, which is fine. Yeah. So, um, now what's one other thing I wanted to bring up because we did talk about his search, meaning the man in black search, and we saw what he did to Sandy. Newton's character, Meeve's character, when she probably wasn't called Meeve, because in that role she plays like a, a Abernathy family out in the middle of nowhere. Right. Um, but the black man in black, who are these people, or I should say these hosts that he's going after, and why does he think they have knowledge of the maze that he's searching for? He was yet, right. They, and they deny it. For so long, and then they finally say, "Okay, I do know it." What, I don't. Who? Why? Wh- I wonder what. I mean, we, we don't it's, know. It's enough. it's yeah. It's the left, right, left, right, up, up, up combo that you got to do in order to open the secret level, right, Mike? That's yeah, I think it's. Yeah, that's the the Konami code. I think it's just. I don't think it matters. Um, like, I'm assuming like the map. Yeah, how did he know the map was on that robot? And how did he know that um, the dude to no- in this episode knew the next piece? Um, that I don't know. And here, it's he has the knowledge. It doesn't so much matter how he got them because it's just a MacGuffin to get him from point A to point B to point C. But we know Maybe how R two we know how R two got the the stuff. Princess Leia. No, we don't. That's why they're making the movie that's coming out this Christmas. Princess <laughs> Princess, Princess, Princess Leia gave it to him. <laughs> oh goodness! But anyway, West World. So, so you know, why does he know, know that, or how did he puzzle together? He's been there for a really long time. He's put the clues together. How I think is 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 only slightly relevant. Um, again, maybe they'll give us the explanation later. The main thing is to find out where he's going, and I'm and who, still thinking, and who he is, who he is, right? And I'm still thinking he's at the beginning of his journey, which is why I don't think he'd be the one that gun there he's just starting to figure stuff out yep um and i don't think he'd be say the saboteur right 
Yeah, I think I his storyline sucked in the whole mess. But I yeah, and it, that's probably most certainly true. But I think his storyline is not going hand in hand with the I guess I'll call it the uh, the Ford storyline. Well, I think it'll all dovetail together later on down the season. Eventually. And I have I, and, and my suspicion is uh, that this is going to be a bit like Lost in that you know they said with Lost you you started by watching a, a series about people stuck on an island and it became something for good or better or worse very very different later yeah. and they never would have gotten anyone watching it if they if they started out by saying this is going to be a series about time travel and right. memories and all this so same idea here is this is starting out with a story set in a western amusement park but it's not going to end there right and right. i think and i think that this Westworld part of the Westworld story will probably be over this season and we will move into, you know, the robot rebellion. And now whether we expand beyond the park this season or next season or the season after that, I have no idea. Um, but we're not long for the park. Also, um, it's, it, it's almost like, um, I'm looking at it, it as, uh, the man in black is like a, the Daenerys storyline in um, Game of Thrones, where it's it's so I mean it's much more interesting, but uh, it, it's far away from the rest of the Game of Thrones storyline, or in this case, the Man in Black's storyline and the Maze is far off from the uh, the Anthony Hopkins storyline, and eventually, like you said, they're, they're going to merge. But but Eric made a good point too, which is could it all be a backdoor? And it's going to lead to something that could stop the apocalypse, maybe, or stop Anthony Hopkins from doing what he's doing, or I don't know. I mean, who knows? It's it's just it's just it, no one knows because I mean, Shauna Jordan on the Facebook group even said that she was confused to the point where she was getting a little annoyed with the Man in Black storyline. So it's it's definitely well, one of the they, they yeah. certainly are keeping the WTF factor up high. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll say something for this show, which is that each episode is an hour long. And so far, for the first two episodes, uh, I've been surprised when the credits roll because it didn't feel like an hour because it's that interesting. Um, so I'm really enjoying the series so far. Yeah, and, and there, you know what's so too, cool about that too, Eric, is, is that the film, these are very f- filmatic, meaning they feel like films, not television shows. So mm-hmm. when it does suddenly stop, it's weird because it's you know usually films have a conclusion and this doesn't it just keeps like you know, <laughs> right so it's a, yeah that is kind of interesting um because it's that well done that I think I'm watching a movie not just a TV show that is in the same quality as a movie right um any other scenes character plots arcs or anything that people wanted to bring up I noticed that they did not have some of the things in the prior week's trailer did not happen in this episode. For example, in the prior week's trailer, at the end of the originals, uh, Thandie Newton not only wakes up from a dream and on the operating table, but they have her say a line in there, too, in that trailer, stating specifically, I've died many times. How many times have, can you die? Or something like that. And that right. was not stated in this episode, so I was shocked when well, she was knocked later. out. Well, I'm sure it is. Yeah, it was just curious that well, if, if, if you look, it, it's not next week on Westworld. It's this season on Westworld. So, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, okay. 
Uh, yeah, we, yeah, and they give a lot away. I think too much away in, in the trailers. That's why but, I haven't been watching them. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely too much, um, in my opinion. Um, any, any, as far as I could to stay uh, to say spoilers free before the show started, and I'm pleased that I did. Yeah, yeah, same here. I, I didn't watch anything either until um, the end of these episodes and the trailers, and I was just surprised how much they gave away, or, or at least alluded to. Um, Anything else, guys? Anything? I, I think that's it. Yeah. All right. That's good. I burnt through all my notes. All right. That sounds good. All right. So that's uh, episode two, the the chestnut episode, whatever that means. Anybody wants to email us in, let us know your opinions of chestnut or this episode, the man in black. Um, yeah, let's get some listener participation. You Tell us what you think the title of the episode chestnut means. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Thanks uh, for Sean Fox for giving his thoughts. Uh, but yeah, we'll be curious uh, to hear other people's thoughts. And Sean, we want you to uh, give us your thoughts. What do you think chestnut means? Um, but either way, next week it's called The Stray. Uh, again, written by uh, Lisa Joy Nolan and someone named Daniel T. Thompson. I'll do research on that person later. Uh, curiously, though, uh, the direction is by uh, one and only Neil Marshall. For next week. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Neil Marshall, for folks who don't know who we're talking about, uh, is probably most famous for now uh, have, having done some of the bigger epic episodes in Game of Thrones. And he, prior to that, he had done a number of horror films, including uh, one which is um, cons- probably considered a cult classic right now called The Descent. Um, I, I wouldn't even call it a cult classic. It's just a modern classic. Yeah, it's, it's why I think it's fair to say it's widely considered one of the best horror films of of the two thousands. I would agree with that statement. Yeah, yeah, and, and yet it's so simple too, and yet it is. Uh, I mean, the story idea, but it does have a lot of subtext into it, which is interesting, and it being an all woman cast, pretty much too. Um, but yeah, Neil Marshall. So that that's that's a good that's good news, right? Not that the two two directors. For the first two episodes, Richard J. Lewis and, of course, Jonathan Nolan himself, who both did pretty damn good jobs. Uh, I think they're going to be. This is going to be like Game of Thrones, where they're getting like the best, to pretty much in every episode. Yeah. Yep. So, all right. So that's it. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week, right? So, um, Eric, why don't you uh, lead us out? All right. Thanks for tuning in and listening to Bullets, Brothels, and Bots. We'll be back next week to discuss episode three. 